Okay, so um, core values, family, joy, hope, those are some of them. And then two weeks ago, I started talking about honor. And honor is another core value of our church, okay? And I said honor looks like, feels like love. Um, you can't really feel love without honor. You know, if, if somebody says they love you, but they, there's no honor in that relationship, but there's no honor, then it's just from, you know, from the mouth out. Because honor means, honor comes from the Hebrew word kabod, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but comes from the Hebrew word kabod, which means to rightly wait. To rightly weigh, sorry, not wait. Weigh. To correctly weigh. What, what does that mean? That I am, I am valuing you, right? As if on a scale. I'm valuing you according to, well, in this way, correctly valuing you would be according to the finished work of Jesus on the cross for you which is the highest price ever paid. So you feel loved because I correctly have weighed you, not according to your past, your actions, your, your mistakes, your flakiness, or what you do, but according to the blood of Jesus. Right? And if that starts changing, I start weighing you differently, and that means I'm no longer weighing you properly. I'm, there's no more honor there. I am now weighing you according to what you're doing, what your works are. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> did I say flaky? <laughs> That's a funny word. You know, if you can't laugh at yourself... Laugh at others. No, just, kidding. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> I was going to say something else, and I thought, no, don't say that religion, you know. <laughs> um, so let's, um, let's go to uh, Ephesians 6.2. Well, I'm going I'm to read you a few scriptures. Ephesians 6.2 says, Honor your mother and father that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So we established a couple of weeks ago that honor equals life. Honor is the currency of heaven. Through honor we receive, right? We said humility opens the door, but honor draws from the gift. In other words, uh, Kara said this week, said it so well, she said humility also protects us from being deceived. Because one who is in deception is highly pride and thinks he's, he's only right. He's the only one that can see clearly nobody else. Everybody else is wrong, right? So that's pride and arrogance. It blinds us to see truth, right? But when we're in humility, it's like if you're humble, you have nothing to worry about. Your heart is open, right, to receive. And when you honor, you draw from the life of the gift in, in, in the person, right, that God has put in front of you to receive from. You know, I don't know how many of you had a hard time receiving from Steve last week. You know, he laughs a lot. And I love one of the things he said. He said, you know, one of the lies, so I'm going to say a lie right now. This is not a truth, okay? This is a lie. One of the things he said is you cannot trust the perspective of a Christian who laughs too much. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous, right? Like, think about that. And so when you, when you go, okay, I've never heard this guy, but I tr first of all, I trust my leadership you know, that, you know, that they, they would bring somebody, you know, that has something in their life that they, they can be released to our life. 
Um, but number two and more important is that, that you're humble enough to say, okay, they, they're different and I've never heard of them, but there are qualities and characteristics of God's nature in them from which I can receive, right, and grow in my life. There's something in them that I need. You know that some of the best marriages are quite, are very opposites from each other? Because they learned a humility to receive and to pull on each other's strengths. They know they don't have it all, and they need what their partner has. Right? And so it's the same in the body of Christ. If I'm just, if I just love teaching, and I just receive from the teacher, right? Well, any time a prophet gets up there and starts speaking a language that I don't even understand what he's talking about, third heaven, fourth, you know, second heaven, and all these things, and I'm like, ah, pff, he's wacko. Right? I'm not going to receive from the gift of God in his life, and I'm missing out on the gift of the prophet. Same thing with the evangelist, right? Oh, he's too wild for me. He's just not my style. Hold up. There's a gift of God in that person. And if you dishonor like that, which is dishonor means to treat as common. You know? If you just treat it like, oh, whatever, then you're going to miss out on something in there that God wants to bring to you. And that's why sometimes the body of Christ looks like just one big leg or one big arm or one big head. <laughs> because we've failed to acknowledge and, and to learn how to receive from the fivefold ministry. Right. Geez, many, many places can't even host the fivefold ministries. Yeah. You know, it's one of my biggest desires that in our church you could have all of those operating, you know, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, and the apostle, all operating out of the same family. Yeah. So, Proverbs 29, 23 says, pride brings a person low. You know, like low, like when you say, ooh, that was low. <laughs> but the lowing but the lowly, in, the lowly in spirit gain honor, okay? And that honor is the word kabod, properly weight, okay? So pride brings a person low. You know, pride will lead a person to do things that you never thought they would. Because it takes us to that place. Ooh, that was a low blow. You know, ooh, that was low. <laughs> He's in a low place. <laughs> Why? Because pride does that, you know? We allow that, you know, in and, and we lose humility and, and all of a sudden you're acting in ways that it's not you. It's not who you are. Matthew 23, 12 says, Whatever, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Like we see this as a principle in the kingdom of heaven, right? Humility and honor, they're... They, they go together a lot. Now, I, I want to read to you, um, let's go to, hello, God. <laughs> That's the prophet. No, I'm just kidding. Um, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5, okay? 2 Kings chapter 5, I, I love this story. There is so much in it. If you have your Bible, turn to it. We're going to read um, quite a few verses here. And 
And I want you to pay attention because many of you read this already, hopefully, because I left you this homework two weeks ago. But 2 Kings chapter 5, and I'm going to start in, well, I'm going to start in verse 1. Okay, it says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram, or Syria, okay? He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. Because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but had leprosy. Okay? He suffered from leprosy. It says, Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Okay? Who did he direct him? He directed him to the prophet in Samaria, right? He said, there's hope. So Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, he said, go. The king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's a lot. Like, I think that's a, that's a big gift. 6,000 you know, even if it was just gold coins. Like, that's a lot, okay? And it says, of silver, six, um, ten, okay, sorry, ten, ten, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing, the letter that he took to the king of Israel read this. With this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. So first of all, I want to clarify, because this, this could be a little confusing if you're following the story. There's a little bit of miscommunication here, Okay? The girl said, if you go see the prophet, right? And so Naaman goes to his boss and says, hey, king, I want to go see the prophet in Israel, right? And the king's like, sure, go. I'll send a letter of recommendation for you. But he doesn't understand it or he writes it wrong or maybe the scribe got it wrong, right? Because it looks as if he's telling the king of Israel, hey, here's my servant, heal him. Are you following this? Like, he missed a part of this, right? Because it's not the king of Israel that's supposed to heal him. It's the prophet in Israel. But the king knows the king, so he's sending him to the king. He should have said, hey, there's a prophet in your nation, right? So then there comes some of the clothes tearing, you know. It says, as soon as, soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, oh, my God. Can I kill and bring to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy, right? He can't do that. That's, he's the king. So says, see how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? You know, here's, here's something really interesting. He made a story. This is totally off topic, but, you know, when you're reading the Bible, every topic is jumping at you, right? Here's, here's the king of Israel, right? And he is like, I teach this to my kids all the time. Reaction is everything. Reaction is everything. Your initial reaction, it starts internally, is everything. And this king, like, he saw that, you know, and his mind went to, he's tricking me, he, he's asking me to heal him, I'm not going to be able to heal him, that's going to be a reason for war, they're going to come and destroy us and take over us, and we're all going to die! <laughs> How many of you have done that? In the last six months. <laughs> My life is over. I 
I mean, we make these stories. And this, the story, I mean, this king, he ripped his clothes. Like that was a, you know how big a deal was because there was no Facebook and the news just spread. King tore his clothes. King tore his clothes. King tore his clothes. The king tore his clothes. Watch out. It's going to get crazy. Check this out. It says um, in verse 8, when Elisha, the man of God, heard, Elisha's the prophet, okay? He heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes. How did he hear? I'm telling you, right? Like, it was a big deal. So, so don't make a big deal. You know, reaction is everything. Like, watch your reactions. Wait for clarification. Ask for clarification. Like, don't go down that horrible, dark path, you know? It'll harm you, right? Like, imagine, imagine when he, when the king heard, like, oh, oh, that, I guess I read that wrong. I guess that was not what they meant, you know? Like, can I get a new robe, please? It says, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him a message. Why have you torn your robes? <laughs> have the man come to me. And he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now, okay. So Naaman, verse 9, went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha, okay. So remember, he comes with a whole entourage, okay. He comes with thousands of silver, gold pieces and clothes, right. Maybe he gave one of those clothes to the king. Like, <laughs> um, and, and he's at the door, right? So you would think such an important man with so much wealth has come to your house, right, for you to heal him. So you would come out, receive him, bring him in the house, right, and, you know, sit down with them, listen to his story, and, and then pray for him to get healed, right? Well, that's not what happens. It says, Naaman went with his horses and chariots, stopped at the door of Elisha, Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, the river, okay, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. So not very personal. Maybe Elisha wasn't a people person. <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he was just busy that day. You know, the thing I appreciate about it is he was not a man pleaser. He, he was not like, ooh, who's there? Ooh, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Let's get a picture with him, too, and, you know, make sure that, like, he was not faced by who this man was, right? And Naaman says he went away angry. Verse 11, Naaman went away angry. He said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Who else had a story here? Naaman. Who else had a story in his head? Naaman, right? He thought it would be this way, and it wasn't that way. So he was angry. Remember when we talked about intellectual offenses? that are not even direct offenses, but you take them as an offense. So Naaman was intellectually offended. He's like, what? Does he know who I am? Like, does he not know who I am? Like, I'm super important. I brought him all these gifts, and he sends the servant out to tell me to go, go wash in the Jordan River 
which is like not even that great of a river. It's kind of pretty dirty. There's better rivers where I live. You know, that's what he said. Like if, if you keep reading in uh, uh, verse 12 says, Are not Abana and Farfar the rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he was offended, right? So he turned and went off in rage. He cut the flow of life, right? There was, there was a gift from that prophet that was going to flow into his life, but he stopped it with what? Offense. Why was he offended? It was pride. Humility was not there. The door was closed. Are you following this? And then it says in verse 12, no, 13. Naaman's servants went to him and said, look how, how sweet they spoke to him. They called him father, said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down, dipped himself in the Jordan River. You know, we need these kind of people in our lives. We need this kind of people in our lives that will speak to us in love. Say, hey, what if you get healed? Wouldn't you do it? So I thank God for people like this in my life. That's, that's, that's one of the benefits of belonging to a family. Not just knowing people, but allowing people to know you being known. And they, they somehow had a, 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 an invitation to speak into his life that way, right? In a very loving and honorable way. And said, hey, wouldn't, wouldn't you have done it, you know, if he had said to do this? You know, in other words, what if you get healed? And this is where we get to this point. Because it says, verse 14, so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. And I love this because it shows that he repented. How do you know he repented? Because he changed his mind. He changed the way he was thinking. He was in pride. He was stuck in a place. He had cut the flow, but repentance restored the flow, right? It allowed him to walk into obedience, even in a situation that was completely different to what he thought it was it's supposed to be, to what it should be, right? And then he received his healing. It's how easy, you know, sometimes people have the idea that God's like, oh, you missed it? Now you don't even get it. No. But it was so good. Like, he still got healed. Yeah. It could have been like, like the prophet could have been like, well, now you don't get it. No matter what. Like, but that was not it. That's not God's heart. You know, even when we miss it at first, let's not go dive into hopelessness thinking like there's no coming back from that. That's not God. Because all that needs to happen is Repentance. We just need to think a different way and then let our actions follow that so the blessing and the flow of life could be restored to us. Hmm? Go to uh, Matthew 10.40 with me. And I'm going to read uh, 10.40 and 42. It says, Honor, it says, Anyone who receives you receives me. Okay, this is Jesus speaking. Matthew 10, 40 says, anyone who receives you, who, I'm sorry, who receives me, Jesus, receives you. And anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. 
So if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. If you receive a prophet, you know, in different versions says in the prophet's name for who he is, for his gift, okay, that God has put in him, you will receive the reward of a prophet. Now we see that happened in 2 Kings 5, right? He received the prophet. And what does that mean? Didn't he go to his house? See, the word receive right there means to welcome, to accept. So if you received Steve Backlund, if you welcomed him and you accepted him, then you got to receive from the gift that was in his life. See that? If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you'll be given the same reward as a prophet or the prophet's reward. And if you receive, check this out, if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. You know, this one, um, let's go back to, yeah, 41. If, if, um, if you receive righteous people because of the righteousness, if you welcome and accept. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have received, welcomed, and accept Jesus into their heart? Right? Is he righteous? What gift did you receive? See, if you don't even believe in this principle, then how can you believe that you are righteous? How could you even believe you're saved? If you receive Jesus, the righteous one, you receive the reward of Jesus, the righteous one, and you are called now righteous, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's amazing. So honor, that's why we say honor is the currency of heaven. Through honor, you know, we line our eyes with how God sees, right? So we can see past the dirt, the flesh, the imperfection, and we see God's nature, God's gift, his anointing inside the person, and then we're able to receive from that. Because God doesn't want us to walk by sight, but by faith, right? And faith sees the invisible, It's easy to see what's wrong with somebody. Right? I mean, some people flaunt it. <laughs> it's easy to see that. But can we see with God's eyes? Which is what he has called us to do. That's what we call pulling out the gold in somebody. See, that's why honor is a core value. Because the person next to you it's no less than, than me, than the pastor. Like in God's eyes, we've all been leveled by the blood of Jesus. But dishonor comes to say, oh, they're just one more in the bunch. Because look, right? Look what your eyes can see. But honor helps us to see with God's eyes and to see how God sees. And then, you know, what about those that are super rude and super mean or evil? Yeah, it's harder to see it, but it's still there. They were still created in the likeness and image of God. Some of them have not been born again. It's even harder to see any goodness in there.
But is there something in there? Yes. So who's the one that needs to be renewed to adjust their vision and be able to see how God sees? It's me, right? So when somebody comes up and offends me or hurts me, right, I can, I can be offended. I can be right, right? But ultimately, I'm called to pray for them and see them how God sees them, right? And see through the hurt, see through the pain, see through the deception, see through the pride, see through all those things and call them out to a higher place. That's what we're supposed to do with our kids, right? We, we teach, right? Don't, don't call him a liar just because he lied. Separate that behavior from them. Recognize his immaturity. Recognize there's fear involved. Recognize there's, you know, the fear of punishment, maybe. Other things. So what? Call them out. Say, hey, you're better than that. You're a speaker of truth. So don't act like that. Yeah? <laughs> mm. So honor. Honor is the, the currency of heaven. It's how we learn to receive from one another. It's how, um, it's how we, you know, we put ourselves to receive from the other parts of the body of Christ. All right, Steve, and then next Sunday night we're going to have Elizabeth. And, and, well, first of all, you know, she's a girl. I don't know. I'm not sure that I'm, I'm okay, you know, listening to a, a woman preach, you know. Or, or maybe it's like, well, she's... she's She's too young, you know. You know, it's so funny, Dan. I remember uh, this, and sometimes I think, how did these pastors ever let me preach? I was 18 years old, and I was preaching in a lot of churches. And sometimes I think to myself, I, I think back, and I'm like, how did how did these guys ever have me preach to their churches and their congregations? I was just a, you know, a teenager, and. Uh, and, and I realize I'm like I'm so thankful that there's there's people that are willing to take a risk with somebody, right? Because here's the other side of that that coin is that many places say no we we actually we're gonna protect our congregation anything that is imperfect, and so we we stay really close to who speaks. That's treating you like a baby. That's and you have no discernment. You have no ability to hear from God. You have no ability to divide and say, yeah, maybe that was off. Maybe that's not right, right? Because we've been taught many times that religion has taught us that if they say something wrong, then it's all disqualified. And that's not true. Gosh, you know what kind of pressure that would be on somebody? You know how little we could say? (laughs) I love what Steve said, believe in the people that you're speaking to, right? And yes, yeah, some, some are in different walks with the Lord, and I'm not saying let's bring a stumbling block, right? I'm not saying that. But is it okay for someone that is different than me to come and speak and say some things that I will like, whoo, I'm going to th- have to think about that one and trust that you're going to do the same. Because when we have a culture of honor, we can take those greater risks. Because in a culture of honor, you can receive the word, or you can reject the word without rejecting the person. And that's awesome. Because you get to love them and have a relationship with them. And be like, yeah, that, that didn't land for me. That was not. Instead of having a culture of fear where we're like, ooh, I'm not sure. What if they say something that is off? What is this? No. I said, let's train ourselves up to be able to receive from everybody that God sends us, right? 
So Elizabeth will be here next uh, Sunday night, you know, and there's a gift of healing and miracles in her life. She's an evangelist, and, you know, l- let's come and receive from that, you know. And, 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 you know, you can be sure that if there ever is, if we ever make a mistake and we have somebody speak to you that is just, like, 100% bad, a wolf, you know, like, <gasps> complete heresy. You'll be okay. You'll be here the following Sunday. The Holy Spirit will tell you, you know, what was not truth, right? And we probably won't have him back. <laughs> but we don't need to discredit the person and reject the person. And that's really hard because we've been taught the other way many times, right? Like, think about it. If that's a minister that has a good heart and just is some really religious bad things. But we're called to love our neighbor who's not saved, our enemies who have cursed us. Wouldn't we, shouldn't we do the same thing for someone who is trying their best and, right? That's where we grow. That's where we mature. That's where we learn to discern. And that's why it's also important that where you're at, you know that you're getting fed, Right? that you're receiving the word of God, that you trust your leadership, right? We need to grow. We need to mature. Now, I just love what he said, you know, you got to trust and believe the people you're speaking to. Amen? You guys learned something today? Is that good? All right. Um, Stand with me and let's declare this together. Say with me, humility frees me from the need to be right. Man, I used to take myself so seriously. I used to take myself very seriously. And, uh, and, and when you take yourself too seriously, I'm not saying that you devalue yourself. That's not what I'm saying. But you know what I mean. Like when somebody takes themselves too seriously, you can be wrong. And that's such a the heavy weight. If you can't be wrong, then then it's a big burden on you that you always have to be right, and therefore there's pride in there. There's no humility to say, "Hey, I might be wrong." I learned I learned this in marriage. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a marriage key. Like, honey, I'm pretty sure this is wrong, but I might be wrong. <laughs> reserve. I reserve the right to be wrong. It takes a burden off of me. Um, say, humility protects me from deception. Humility keeps me in the position of a son or a daughter. Right? Because I keep learning. Because I keep learning. I have a student's heart. Humility protects my heart from pride and offense. Humility opens the door and honor draws from the gift. Honor is the currency of heaven. Honor brings me good long life. And last one, say, I honor because I am honorable. Amen. See, that's the important because many times we, uh, we, we honor people that deserve it only. 
but we honor because we're honorable. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord praise if you got anything out of that? James, come here.